I've been involved with this kind of work uh, since I was 16. And actually a little bit before then, indirectly, uh, because my father's godfather, who I was very close with, uh, gave me the Mists of Avalon for my 12th birthday. I don't know if you know the Mists of Avalon. And I was convinced, of course, uh, as probably every other woman who's ever read the Winds of Avalon, that, of course, I was destined to be a high priestess. And, um, and, and so my career goal was somewhere around the, uh, I was going to be either a high priestess or a witch or something of that kind. And um, because of the way I'm built, I'm built in a very odd way where when I, you know, decide to do something, everything else stops, and I'm just going for it. So um, as, a, as a 12-year-old, that involved begging my parents um, so, you know, for books and uh, people I could learn from, and I bought all these books on druid um, mythology and on herbs and on spells and whatever I could get my hands on. And uh, then my parents found me uh, this wonderful woman who was kind of the local herb witch, the herb doctor. And I would go there and she'd teach me how to, you know, pick flowers from the different areas of the, of the you know, the woods and mushrooms and lotions and potions and spells. And she taught me a lot. And then um, at some point she told me that she had a friend who knew about Ayurvedic medicine, um, you know, the Indian branch of that. And uh, so she introduced me to the woman who became my teacher for the next 12 years. And um, her name was Deepa, and she was an Indian woman who had just gotten to Austria because her husband was on a work assignment. In He was a software engineer. And uh, so I started studying with this woman who started out by teaching me how to make chai tea, amongst other things, in a very, very, very long, drawn-out process where I had to learn about every spice, you know, and I had to eat it and taste it and grind it up and taste it again, and then I had to learn how to combine the different things. And that's all I ever did, and sweeping. There was lots of sweeping because she had this tree that always dropped leaves all year round. Um, I think it was an oak or something like that. And so I was sweeping and making chai. And uh, it turned out after a few years that this woman was actually um, the lineage holder of the lineage that I'm now the lineage holder of, which is a tantric, Kashmiri tantric lineage that's been passed down for supposedly 2,000 years from woman to woman to woman to woman. I'm only the second non-Indian woman in the whole lineage. There was one other woman in the early 1900s who was an English woman. And um, I started with this woman till I moved to the States in, when I was 28. And I moved twice uh, because her husband you know, was done with this particular assignment and had to go to Germany. So I dropped everything, moved to Germany. Then two years later, he moved to some other place in Germany. So I dropped everything, moved to another place in Germany. And um, at, at some point, though, she was kind of done with me and sent me off into the world. And I eventually moved to the States, which is a whole other long story that I'm not going to bore you with. But 
In the course of that time, I received a, a very, very distinct tantric education that had much more to do, and people always just think of the sex part. The sex part is very, very, very little. It's all about how do you make every act of every day a devotional offering? How do you make the very ordinary stuff sacred? How do you live as a woman with everything that that means and not lose your body, your joy, your health, your feeling, your intuition and your power, right? Which all of the things that she was very, very strong on, particularly the power having been raised in India where women were not um, anywhere near equal. Uh, so she was very um, strong on uh, empowering her students. She only had a total of, I think, 16 students in her lifetime. And long story short, uh, last year she died, and she died in a bus accident um, in India. She had moved back to India. And she lived in the States for a while, uh, for a year or two, where I had reconnected with her. And then she moved back to India. And uh, she had one of those classic, I don't know if you've ever been to India, but it happens all the time. You know, you get on a bus, the bus is loaded up with like chickens and goats and people and people on the outside and, you know, and all of that. And the bus had a flat tire and flipped over. And I think... 12 people died immediately, and it took her about a week and a half to die. They thought she was going to pull through, but she had um, broken her femur and her hips and stuff like that, and she got some infection and died. So before she died, she handed me the lineage via Skype. This is the kind of age we're in, you know, and I got to say goodbye and everything. Um, and so here I am these days uh, in a very um, interesting position because I went from I've taught workshops for 16 years now, and I've been in private practice counseling and seeing, you know, dealing with these kind of issues, both women's issues and uh, relationship issues. <laughs> I'm turning 50 this year. So um, um, I'm saying this to say women's work and everything that comes with being a woman is my first love. I've done a whole bunch of other things since then, amongst them, run the drug rehab, um, worked with incredibly famous people. So I've had a, a pretty long, distinct career, but women's work is really my first love. And, and the thing that drives it all, because, of course, being a woman and being a woman in a you know, pretty... Uh, stressful time in the world and certainly in a pretty stressful profession uh, as much as I love it. Right? I travel 42 weeks out of the year, so that's a lot. You know, we are almost, uh, we've been on the road for three weeks already and have another week and a half to go and then four weeks at home and then a month in Australia and then another month and a half here. And, and so, so it's, it's a very hectic kind of a life. So the concerns of being a woman are always the first thing on my own mind. You know, how do, you, do I maintain my marriage? I have a husband at home. I have a farm. I have baby ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I got a photo today. And nobody knew. She had disappeared. We thought she was gone. Fifteen little baby ducks. <laughs> on Facebook. Yes, I just posted it. So I have a farm. Um, 
Steve and I travel extensively, constantly develop new material, and uh, I'm very rapidly approaching the crazy hormone years. Uh, so there's a lot going on, right, where, where my, the practices that I'm going to talk about and some of them share with you are more and more and more important you know, as, as my life goes on. So that said, the Wild Woman's Way started in my garage. And uh, why it started in my garage was mostly I had moved to the States and it, it was very, very uh, brutal because I did, I worked a full-time job for like nine hours a day, then went to school and then saw private clients. So I'd literally work from six in the morning till 11 at night. And I did that for a few years and everything that happens with that happened to me. So I decided I needed a women's group. So I invited a few of my girlfriends and we would meet and I fixed up my garage into a little studio and we would meet once a week and dance and move and talk about things. And that's how the Wild Woman's Way was born. It developed uh, many of these things that I had learned from my teacher into something that could be taught in larger groups because my lineage is uh, very much you know, one person to one person to one person. So I had to rearrange things so that they could be taught in larger groups. What I'm focusing on is what happens in a woman's body versus the whole masculine-feminine discussion. And there's a reason for that, and I'll tell you in a second. And so what happens in a woman's body is specific to woman's physiology. Now, there's lots and lots of discussion about what happens in, in a transgendered person's body, and, and that all can be discussed, right? But in general, when you are a woman, the thing that makes you so different from a man is hormones, right? And that, that's, you can't dispute that, because when you look at men's bodies, they are not plagued by you know, the massive hormonal fluctuations. And of course, when women no longer have those strong hormonal fluctuations, you can tell how much of your life was wrapped up in, you know, the, the, what that all means. And so because of that, we are built in a very specific way because we are also built, evolutionary speaking, to give birth. Even if we don't, I don't have children. But I, as anybody who has children, was built to procreate. And with that, the need um, arises for women to be in their body. So for you to ovulate, for you to give birth, for you to well, carry a pregnancy, you have to have energy and sensation and feeling in your whole body. And the energy is everywhere and it's pretty wide and energy output is consistent and steady because that's what you need when you have children. You can't just have a spurt of energy and then go to sleep and the kids are, you know, doing whatever the kids are doing. In the cave days, they would have fallen off the back of the cave and, or fallen into the fire or whatever. So women are built for steady energy output and energy in the whole lower part of the body. So when we do things that happen up here, which most of us do, well, emails, phones, talking, thinking, planning, 
the energy has to be gathered from down here where it naturally sits and squeezed up. And as you probably know, in the yogic traditions, they talk about channels. So that you have a central channel and the side channels. And you can kind of feel that, that when you need to do something that's this, you have to squeeze and you pull it up and then it comes out. Right. And so a lot of women have um, a tendency to get very tight in the neck and shoulders and jaw. So yeah, so hence there's a lot of tightness in this area in most women. Men have other issues, but this is, you know, this is about women's bodies. So, so every time we have to do, think, organize, hold a certain space, do a forward motion, we have to collect all our energy and pull it in and become less wide, less open, less round, less um, energized in the lower parts of the body because the human body only has so much energy. So you take the energy from a place where you don't need it because your body is parked, right? And you bring it up and there it goes. It wouldn't be a problem except... Whatever you do with your body is your predominant habit. Right? We all know that. Anything you've ever learned, you learn through repetition. So the thing that you repeat the most is the thing or the shape your body takes. It's the emotional shape, the mental shape, the physical shape your body takes. So a career of 20 years in marketing or in business or in whatever means that your body has 20 years of this. Well, doing, 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 doing. And then what, of course, happens is you can tell this. We were on the train from Paris. We just came from Paris. And there were these two German women. And mind you, I'm German-speaking, so I can say this. And it was like machine gun fire. They, were, they came from a meeting, and it was like, and then it got, it got somewhat angry, and then it got even worse. And, and there, was no, there was no feeling anywhere in the body because it was all... Mm, 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 mm. And that's what happens. Right? Now, the reason I'm saying this is not a feminine issue, it's just a woman's body issue, is that then what happens, particularly in the tantra communities of of which there are many in Copenhagen, I've been told, you are then told that you are not feminine. Oh, you're in your masculine, right? You need to be more in your feminine. Well, you're never not in your feminine. You are a woman, right? You have a feminine body. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. Your body is built for a certain kind of activity. So you're never not feminine. It's just you might have behavior patterns that don't bring the fullness of your body and with that not the well-being and the intuition and the feeling and the softness and the pleasure because of course when you don't feel anything down there you also don't have pleasure not because you are not feminine but because your body is not habituated to bringing energy into this body so it's not an issue of uh, you're not feminine enough it's an issue of your body isn't trained to do one set of behaviors and, and um, feelings and uh, possibilities. Right? But the good news is it's your birthright. It's all our birthright. And it's there. So it's nothing you have to learn. You just have to reclaim it. It's right there. 
And the good news is, with those things, because they are native to you, it doesn't take very long. It's just you have to do the kind of repetition that you did for the other things. For these things, <laughs> not as much though, and your body will go right back to being full and feeling and having intuition and having joy and having pleasure because that's always there. That's never lost. It's just you've done other things. So that said, I'm giving you like a super quick, you know, uh, overview of these things. The, the words you will always hear uh, or often hear is embodiment, right? And so there's, a diff there's different ways to look at embodiment, one of which is just feeling your body. I could, um, I don't know, step on your feet and you would feel your body. But that does not really qualify as embodiment, really. You know, just because you suddenly pop down to your toe because I'm stepping on it doesn't necessarily mean you're embodied. What embodiment means is that you can actually have, that you have feeling to what's going on in your body. So you can be totally in your head and, and in your neck but feel that the pain in your body and that still would make you embodied because you're with your body. It's when you're not with your body that people say you're not, you know, you're not embodied. You're of course always embodied till the moment you're dead, at which point you're no longer embodied. But can you feel what's happening in your body? And that's where it gets a bit tricky because feeling means that you don't only feel the good things. You feel all things. And that can be difficult, particularly when you haven't felt in a while. Because when you start feeling, and we'll do a bit of exercises around that, the first thing that you typically feel is everywhere it hurts, or everywhere it's tight. And then you start feeling all the things that you emotionally didn't want to feel. And then, you know sadness and frustration and fatigue and and then eventually you'll also feel pleasure or aliveness or joy and that's not I mean sometimes you just feel pleasure aliveness and joy but often the first thing that you feel is everything that you haven't felt and so feeling um, isn't always was what we want to do and that includes me I had a really bad day the other day and where was it? Amsterdam, where I was so sick. I mean, so sick. And there was just nowhere to go. We were in the middle of teacher training, right? And I mean, my nose and my sinus. And my sinuses hurt so bad that it felt like all my teeth were going to fall out, right? It was like that kind of sinus pain. And it was horrible. Well, no, of course it didn't look like it. <laughs> I'm a consummate professional. <laughs> Some of these ladies were in the teacher training. But I was miserable, right? Miserable. And of course, you don't want to feel things. You, know? you just don't want to feel things. So I, I noticed that in every break, what I would do is I check my Instagram, something that I don't tend to do. And after the third break of scrolling through my Instagram, I was like... <laughs> What am I doing? Then I went to Facebook because I had seen all the Instagram posts. <laughs> I, and, and eventually I went like, oh, I just don't want to feel how bad I feel. 
So we all have ways of doing that, eating certain things, watching TV, social media, shopping. Some people do it with sex. Some people do it with drinking. We have all these ways to not feel. And so when you, when you decide that you want to embody, what you have to know is that that means there's suddenly a lot of feeling to be done. And so the barriers to embodiment is really how much feeling can you handle, right? And so that, that's a bit tricky sometimes because sometimes you don't want to feel that much. And of course, if you don't want to feel that much, that means you also don't feel the pleasure. You don't feel the joy all the way. But for that, you don't have to feel the disappointment and the heartbreak and the anger either. So it's a matter of working with the body and the psyche in a way that um, you slowly widen your bandwidth both down and up, right? So if this is your zero, like you're, you're, you're feeling nothing, right? Then there's the good stuff, there's the bad stuff. And so you slowly bring them both up so that your body gets used to feeling as much as you want to feel. Then, of course, the other thing that uh, I don't want to go too much into, besides from the overwhelm and, and the difficulty of the body not cooperating and you can't feel that much, there's, of course, also trauma. So sexual trauma, emotional trauma, childhood trauma, accident trauma, bodily trauma, surgical trauma, any kind of injury emotionally, physically, sexually, spiritually, will make the nervous system shut down so that you don't have to feel certain things. And of course, one of the other interesting things is that you put, once again, particularly in the Tantra communities, you see people who have spiritualized their trauma and they now go and uh, instead of, uh, you know, grandpa molesting them, now it's their guru molesting them for the sake of spiritual growth and stuff like that in the extreme case or just them giving over authority to people who should not have authority over them so there's all kinds of reasons why people don't want to feel and why they can't feel and many of which this brings us back to why women's work many of which can be dealt with by giving the body an opportunity to behave the way it's built to behave so as the body has incredible wisdom and the body can actually unwind and repair and let go of trauma, of extra horrible tension, of sadness, of you don't, even memories that you don't even know. So working with the body is essentially the, the heal-all for what we're talking about. Not to say that therapy isn't good and things like that, because understanding helps the body relax, which is why I'm telling you all of this right now instead of us just doing it. It's, it's good to understand what's happening, but the understanding doesn't necessarily release the body. Only the body can release the body. So in the kind of women's work we're doing these days, we're tending we do a whole bunch of stuff, of course. The first thing is sensitizing the body. So making the body able to feel again. And with that, um, 
relaxing the body, of course, you know, relaxing the areas of tension. And, but not by relaxing those areas, you know, with a massage or so, but by bringing the energy down to where it belongs so that the excess energy doesn't just sit up here. And then the next step is, once you've understood the dynamics in the body, some of which we'll work with today, exercises that release old stuff. Right? I've developed a whole movement method of which there's a few now teachers in the room. Raise your hand if you are nonlinear certified. Look at that. So we just finished our first round of teacher training. So nonlinear is a whole movement method where the body gets to release without you having to involve your head. It's a somatic release method. So that's, but there's also, um, Steve might teach, depending on how much time we have, he's developed a whole movement method that kind of uh, releases and opens the body, but also educates the body on how to do it for itself. So there's physical stuff that can be done just for the body. Then there's the heart, right? How do you deal with your heart, right? How do you deal with not wanting to feel all the pains that come with loving, you know, loving yourself, loving a partner, loving your children, loving other people, all the ways that we're closed down. So in, in a lot of the women's group exercises will really work on, on opening the heart, being with your heart, knowing what your heart wants, um, relaxing the heart, giving of your heart. And then the last, um, or not last, but the, the third uh, piece that we always address in the wild woman's way is uh, pleasure. You know, how do you get pleasure? Um, how do you find the pleasure that's already in your body, which is substantial when you know what you're looking for? Because there's so much sensation in the body that's always available, but that we don't allow ourselves to feel, partly because... Once again, right, if you allow yourself to feel sensations, you also have to feel how tight the bra is or how the feet hurt or things like that. But when you know what you're doing, you can find pleasure in your own body where you go from essentially being numb to, you know, feeling a lot in your own body. And then if you have a partner or you want to engage sexually with yourself or a partner at the end of the day, you don't have to go from zero to orgasm. You're only going from like 80 to orgasm, which is a lot easier than when you have to start down there you know, for both people involved or for yourself if you're with yourself because you already have a much higher pleasure threshold. So there's whole practices around that, both through nonlinear and other um, engagement and a whole set of pleasure practices um, sexual instruction in longer workshops, of course, not in an evening. A nonlinear movement method is what that what this particular um, method is called. What it is, it's a set, and I'm sure the ladies will start teaching it in Copenhagen probably very soon. What it means is, you there's a specific method that allows and facilitates that the body moves without any linear activity. And it's a whole process in which you kind of go somewhat mindless and you just allow the body to shake things out or to let things go or to sensitize to what you're feeling. You can also do pleasure practices with that method. You can 
um, imprint new things. There's all kinds of things that can be done through the body by kind of taking the head out of the way. And then within the sexual or, and slash pleasure practice, there's the, the distinct um, kind of sexual engagement with yourself for the sake of with others. And there's flavors. And why that's useful is that when you're in a partnership of whatever kind you choose, no matter how delicious your own flavor is, who you are, um, at some point, that flavor gets old. It's like having pizza for dinner every evening for the rest of your life, right? It's not so exciting. So instead of uh, having to open your relationship or put wigs on and learn stripper moves or something <laughs> like that, in the flavor work, we look into how do you can train your body to have different energies and you have options and you are a creature of variety, so to speak. And of course, the main bit of the work is finding out who you are and training your own expression of yourself so that you are you and not some copycat of some uh, icon you've seen out there. Uh, that's not you, right? Which is what a lot of people think. They think in order to be feminine, they have to be a very specific way. And if you're not that way, then you're a loser or not attractive or whatever. And that's, of course, not true because what's attractive in a woman, you know, after you are whatever, 28 or so, you can't rely on your youth alone as a tool for living. You know, you'll have to... <laughs> There's women like that. But, but of course, as you age, that's no longer enough. And having a substance, knowing who you are, will last you for the rest of your life. Right? When you are you, you know how your body wants to move and you know your specific gifts and you know how your body is with pleasure and all of those things. Okay, questions? <laughs> Essentially, if you have stretched further than you can, what that is, technically speaking, is that your nervous system was exposed to more stimulus than it could handle. Right. That's, that's what that means. So meaning for whatever reasons, either self-induced or by other people doing it to you, right? it makes both, right? because for some people it happened when they were children or it happened in bad situations. For some people, they thought they wanted to stretch that far and then, oops, you know, it's like breaking your leg. When you've broken your leg, it's like, oh, shit, I should not have done this, but now you need to do healing. So when your nervous system was stretched too far, the natural impulse of the system is to shut down because it has to. Uh, that's just in nature that would be the case. If you're, you know, when you always have to think of this in the cave days, right? If you uh, ran too fast and you broke your leg, you have to crawl into the cave and wait. Now, that, in those days, it was probably a death sentence, right? But if you could heal, you had to heal away from danger. You couldn't continue running, right? You had to heal away from danger. And the same is true with emotional breaks of sort or scars. You have to first, the system will go whoop, and you go into survival. And in survival, nothing else matters but surviving. You're not rational, and 
none of the things that are non-essential are being dealt with for a while. And if it was emotional injury, how the brain deals with strong emotional stimulus is you become numb to a certain degree or you almost leave your body where you can feel your body anymore because you can't go on being in this constant fight-or-flight survival mode, right? Your body needs to go, okay, we need to calm down. And in women, this is interesting because this is a woman phenomenon once again. When there is extreme fight-or-flight, you can read this up, this is Trauma Therapy 101, um, when, when there's fight-or-flight uh, happening, in women the vagus nerve is spelled... Yeah, it will... It will calm down. So the vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S, vagus nerve, will kick in and calm the system down. While in a man, when fight or flight happens, the vagus nerve will kick in and produce full-on aggression. And the reason for that, of course, being that when you were a woman, let's say in the bush with the neighboring tribe coming, you essentially had to immobilize with your children and keep in, and keep yourself from going completely into panic because it was the only way you could survive while the males in the tribe had to go and kick ass and so so in women the vagus nerve will kind of shut you down in a certain way so that you don't run too hot or too fast and burn yourself out so the aftermath of a big opening, right, is the shutdown. And then, oh, and then if you have injury, every time you open that area again, the scar tissue of that injury, so to speak, makes it very, very unpleasant. And then, then you have what you're saying. You're going, I don't want to stretch this far, <laughs> right? And that's very healthy right? because, of course, one of the big trips that people are on is that, they, you know, they want to take you to your edge, so it's like, go to your edge. The edge usually means injury, right? You're much better off not going all the way there, but being able to sustain it over long periods of time. So what you'll do now is you only go so far till you feel the, ah! and then, but then instead of shrinking back, you hold there. Because your body will say, till here and not further, but it doesn't necessarily, the, Going back is an old memory, right? Because you're no longer injured. So if you, I had a very bad knee injury almost exactly to the day nine years ago where I couldn't walk for a whole year. And I've never really recovered my body and, you know, all of that completely. But nowadays it's healed enough that when I feel like I, we just were in the fourth floor in Paris in an apartment, high ceilings, you know, and... I had to carry my suitcase up and I could feel the pain in the in the knee. But that doesn't mean I have to stop walking. It just means I have to not do any more. Right? And the same is true for your emotions. You just stop and you wait. And you don't go forward and you don't go backward. You just hang out there till this becomes the new normal. And then you go till you go... And then you stop and so on. And then over time, the system can actually acclimatize. Like I was saying earlier, the problem is not that you're not feminine. The problem is that your body has learned 
to be so strong and so good that the part of you that's soft and welcoming and relaxed mm -hmm. and happy mm -hmm. and feeling pleasure isn't developed, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you have to keep these things going and or learn them. Because otherwise, how are they supposed to happen, right? If you've never played the piano and I give you a piano, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean or it doesn't matter how inspired you are, your fingers don't know what to do. So your piano playing will be pretty shit, to say the least, right? So if your body doesn't know how to do being with a man and attracting a man and being happy in your body or soft or relaxed even if the right man comes along you're you know playing the chopsticks as they say right so it's not a problem it's not a matter of are you feminine enough of course you are it's a matter of do you have the skills right so the most important thing to know is that when you have to do things that require you to be strong How shall I say this best? That's not the time to worry about being feminine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because people always say, how can I be soft and feminine and kick ass? You can't. <laughs> you can't. Right? Because that's like saying, how can I play the piano while I drive the car? <laughs> you can't. Right? I mean, maybe you can, but I don't think so. Right? So, so the, the mistake is to go, this is bad, driving the car is bad, playing the piano is good. No, driving the car is driving the car. Playing the piano is playing the piano. So if you say you want to attract a man, what you're saying is, I want to learn how to play the piano, so to speak, right? So then you, you learn with your body, the skills to attract the men. And they're no secret. Right? They're, and, and, and you know it. You just have to remember. So what that means is when you're done driving the car, so to speak, right? you have to go and you have to switch your body's activity from this to this. And how do you do that? Well, we're going to do some of that today but essentially all you need to do is remember that you have a body and move that body till the body can feel yeah. and if you do that let's say five minutes each day only five minutes each day over time you have that skill as much as the taking care of yourself skill and then when you see a man who you like you can switch from driving the car to playing the piano Quickly. <laughs> so it's not you're not you're not insufficient. You just don't have skill, and that's very very different. Right? There's nothing wrong with you. It's just you've never learned or, or haven't given piano playing attention, right? But like I said, the good news is you were born a piano player. I have a friend who she works with women in India, where she works with women who have been abandoned by their husbands and their families. And 
burnt and beaten and all kinds of things. And guess what? They have to learn how to support themselves. Right? They sit there in their beautiful saris and they know how to cook and they're soft and they're, their bodies are, you know, beautifully round and they get beaten because they, and, uh, and left alone because they can support themselves. So over there, she goes and she teaches them how to balance a check, how to have a bank account, right? How to have a schedule how to organize themselves so their kids go to the daycare. She organized a little daycare. And then the women, they, they make uh, clothing and they, she sells it in the States. But So she has to teach them all the things that we now know how to do. Yeah. And the reason for that is that each woman needs to have both. Yeah. You're not free mm -hmm. until you have both. Mm -hmm. And so... What we suffer from is we're not free either because we don't have both, mm -hmm. but neither do they, mm -hmm. right? And there is not yet a country where all women have both, mm -hmm. but we're getting there, right? Because we now at least have, we here in the West, particularly here, right? In America, there's other horrible shit going on, but here you can learn both and you can have both. But the same way that India doesn't have empowered women, we don't have sensual open women. Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a just a different kind of sickness, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But you can learn both and have both and use both. Mm -hmm. And that's possible. When you want to go and take care of yourself, nobody imprisons you or beats you, right? And nobody keeps you like in Saudi Arabia from driving a car. Um, but at the same time, you, st you can also learn and have the right to be the kind of woman you want to be. Maybe only in the bedroom. Because maybe you don't want to do it out there in the world. right? Because it's also a bit uh, weird when you go, Oh, I don't know where my car is. I can't find my keys. Oh, you know, not very likely. But if you have the skill when you are out with a man to go, you know, when you have enough going on that you can go, yeah, okay, you want to drive, drive, right? Instead of going, oh, I can do this, let me drive, right? And, and that's just discipline. It's just discipline to go, oh, I'm in woman with man mode, which means I let him do and I relax, Versus, I'm in business, I will do for myself, and whatever they want to do is their problem, right? That, if you have the skill, you can do both, easily. Because it's just skills. Mm -hmm. well. that, all, all it took was slowing down, yeah. right? But that, what you just said, that's, that's all it is. It's not more difficult than that. It's just that your habit is that you go fast, yeah. right? Exactly. So all you have to do is learn a new habit of strolling around yeah. the lake. And then your body says, I'm relaxed. I'm available. I can engage with somebody. Because under normal circumstances, you would have gone, I don't have time. I have somewhere to go, right? Now, do you want this guy? No, but is it nice to get attention? Yeah. Yes, yeah. right? And, it, and that's the important thing to know is if it's, you, you can do all of this with your body. Yeah. 
It's not, that's not that difficult. You just train your body to behave differently. <laughs>